That was some good singing right there. That's some good. Look at this sweating. That's sweating now. Oh, you broke the, the change of feeling cool. You are sweating up a storm now. People of God, there were some chains that were broken this week. Amen. Chains that uh, have been on this city far too long. Chains that have been on so many people far too long. And when chains like that are broken off, sometimes you have to sing out and just let God move and be God. I was so moved by um, not just Will and the Gospel Ensemble, but the actual words. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. To break every chain. And even though that's so powerful for so many of us, I'm struck with an image from these last few weeks. And that image is the name of Jesus has been used and invoked on all sides of this hero debate. People were holding up their Bibles and almost like a weapon, just threatening city council and saying things like, don't pass this ordinance. It's going to give 10% of the population special rights. And with their Bibles, they'd wave it around to people and they'd say, don't pass this ordinance in the name of Jesus. And then there were others who weren't going to let them steal Jesus away. And they'd say things like, oh, no, we want this ordinance to pass. And we want it to pass in whose name? In the name of Jesus. Everyone was invoking this name. Even I was. Every time I'd speak, I wanted to consistently identify myself as a follower of Jesus. I wanted people to know this aspect of my life. I wanted it to be clear, and I also want to be clear for everyone here, that for me, invoking the name of Jesus isn't about trying to get what I want. See, so many of us, we say in the name of Jesus like it's a magic word. It's a code word, and we put it at the end of our prayers as if that's going to move our prayer request to the front of the line. In the name of Jesus is not your VIP card when it comes to God. For me, when I pray in Jesus' name, this means that my prayers, at least I hope, are reflecting, reflecting Jesus' own values. And so if my prayer reflects how Jesus would treat people, then I'm praying in Jesus' name. And for too many people for these past few weeks, we're saying hurtful and what we would characterize as hateful things to so many other Christians. There was a lot of anger, and we'd just say things, and we'd get under people's skins. And then they'd say, in the name of Jesus. And I had to wonder, you know, in the name of Jesus, what would Jesus do? Number one, I'd bet he'd be nice. That's the first thing. But more than that, he would speak out for justice and for inclusion for all of God's children. And so I hope when we pray, in the name of Jesus, to break every chain... We break these chains because that's what Jesus does. If you will please say this after me. Today I have no fear. I know that God is here. There is power right where I am. I am able. I am a hero. And so it is. I want to start out by just recognizing what many of us might be wondering this morning. I want to say wondering, wondering if it is appropriate for a church to not only recreate a bar, 
but place it front and center for all the people to see and experience. Much less use it as an altar for the entire month of June. Yes, people of God, this is a bar, but please relax. This is not neon boots. This is not JRs. You can breathe. We're not, we are not going to turn any water into wine today, or are we? Relax, please, because no matter how you might feel, or no matter how gay you might feel, this is not happy hour this morning. Or is it? We smile, but we also want to recognize how uncomfortable many people are feeling because of this bar on this chancel. For good reasons, many of us haven't seen the inside of a bar for years, others for months, and still others a few hours. We want to recognize that and just name it. But I do want to say, if this bar makes you uncomfortable, what would you think if we considered making this bar our altar every Sunday? How would that make you feel? Oh, I see some faces scrunching up just a little bit, just a little bit. What do you mean, Reverend Mike? Well, you see, I just want to name and put this out there, and hopefully this will recall something about our history. When Metropolitan Community Churches first began, MCCs could only be started in other than one's home. There were only two places we could have church services. One was at a bar with the drinkers, and the other was at a Unitarian Universalist church with the atheists. You see, in those days, the early 70s, 1969, the only people who would make room for us were the drunks and the godless Unitarians. So the next time we say something bad about the bar crowd, next time we demean atheists, remember, back when they were the only ones who gave us the opportunity to worship a God they didn't even believe in. Now that is inclusion. They were the only ones who gave us some respect and some dignity because the Christian churches would not do it. You see, they didn't respect us enough. And not only that, they did everything they could to keep us from seeing ourselves as God's creation, as worthy human beings, as people who are worthy of respect and even civil rights. Does this sound familiar? Today, we begin a new series from Stonewall to Carnival. Now, this is a bar, and up there's a faint picture of the Stonewall Bar, Stonewall Inn from 1969. You know, every year in June, we celebrate pride, not just Houston, but every major city across the U.S. and all across the world. But lest we just think it's an opportunity to drink and be merry and have some no-string-attached fun, it is more than that. There is a specific reason why we have this thing called gay pride. You see, pride commemorates a historical event which took place in June of 1969. Now, the setting is New York City. And at this time, the New York Police Department, NYPD, is notorious for raiding any establishment where gay people congregated, especially the bars. And so you think it's bad now. Imagine back then, night after night, vice squads and undercover cops would raid bars and intimidate queer people. They would intimidate them, they would beat them, and they found any reason they could do to arrest them. And for many queer people back then, 
They did not want to get arrested. You see, getting arrested wasn't an ideal option because if you got taken in with the police, the next day your name and your address would be in the newspapers. And from there, the dominoes just started falling. You would lose your job. Your families would kick you out, and they'd kick you out of the family life. You did not want to get arrested. And so, so many hoped and they prayed that the police would just push them around, that they would just rough them up a little bit. Do you know what it's like to pray and to ask God? Not to let you go, but to please let the police beat me, God. Let the police bruise me, God. Let them give me a black eye. Can you imagine a bar getting raided and patrons looking up and telling God, I will take however many blows I can, but please, 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 in the name of Jesus, don't let them arrest me. People praying for a beating. People praying for anything that would keep them from getting arrested. After years and years of living in fear, LGBT people were tired of it, and they did not know what to do. They were scared like we all get scared sometimes. They were scared like the disciples get scared. And we see that in today's scripture lesson. You open up in the book of Acts and the disciples are tired of living in fear. They're tired of NYPD also. Well, it was really REPD, the Roman Empire Police Department. But they were really a first century version of NYPD. You see, they both had an empire state of mind, as the contemporary prophet Jay-Z would say. That's Queen Bee's husband, for all you who know that. The Romans harassed the earliest followers of Jesus to no end. Why? Because Jesus openly criticized Rome for its oppressive ways. The way Rome kept the people of Judea and Galilee in impoverished conditions in chains. They intimidated good people by threatening them with crucifixion. If anyone dared to change the status quo, even in the name of Jesus, they would execute you. Because Jesus was crucified, and because his followers dared to say that he was not dead, but he is yet alive, Rome would have none of it. You see, not only did the disciples say that Jesus was alive, but they called him the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, we say that all the time. It just comes out of our spirit because that's the way we were raised. But it was actually a very seditious thing to say because there was already a King of Kings and a Lord of Lords in Rome. Caesar was called King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Who are these disciples, these peasants, these nobodies to claim that this Galilean peasant Jesus is not only the Messiah, but he is also the King of Kings? Oh, they do not follow Caesar. They follow the one who does not oppress, who does not beat people, who uses not an army and police force, but he actually uses the Spirit of God. They said, we follow the Jesus way. And yet, here they are in our passage, wondering, where is Jesus going now? You just got out the grave, and now you're going to go up even higher? They've been waiting for this kingdom, this community of God to come about. They've been waiting for God to come down and with the flick of a magic wand in the name of Jesus, hoping that everything would be made right. When is this kingdom going to happen, Jesus? And he essentially says, only God knows. Now, I've said only God knows many times in my life. 
And when I say only God knows, that means I don't know. Many times, you read in the scriptures, I truly believe Jesus is saying, who knows? And really, is it really, uh, is it really for us to know? And I actually think it is. Jesus sort of says, only God knows, I don't know, but when the Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. When the Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. I don't know, but when the Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. P-O-W-E-R, power. Dr. Martin Luther King defined power as the ability to achieve purpose. And whether it's good or bad, he says, it depends on purpose. You know, so many people, they quote the Hebrew in the scriptures. Others quote the Greek in the scriptures. I'm not going to quote either of those. Today, I'm going to quote the Spanish in the scriptures, if I can. And there's a special reason for that, because in Spanish, power has a great meaning. The word is poder, and it simply means to be able, to have the capacity to be able. Jesus is saying, stop asking when is this going to happen and get to doing it because you are able. In 1969, the people at the Stonewall Bar in New York City. Now, let me tell you about the Stonewall Inn. Did you know that the Stonewall Bar was a mob-owned bar, owned by the Genovese family? And they would offer everything under the table. And because they were always raided, they would water down the drinks. So much so that people, a lot of people, uh, uh, hated it. Not, not only were they watered down, but they charged double the price for them. And because they always got raided, they only had a limited amount of, of uh, liquor behind the bar. They did not clean glasses. They didn't have clean water. They had two buckets. And so once one person put their glass down, they dip it in the water and serve it up right again. Whenever they needed liquor, they'd send someone out to the car and grab some more bottles. They didn't have a liquor license, as you might know. Every week, they'd pay $2,000 to the police, so they would only raid every once in a while. Now, the Stonewall Inn was not like, um, how do you say, F-bar here in town. It was more of a seedy place. One person said no respectable queen would go there. In fact, it was very underground. It was dirty and it was dark. The only people who went there were actually... Um, how you say, the queerest of the queerest. There were some street workers, sex workers, but nobody, no one who looked like you and me. Those folks were shunned. But you see, sometimes revolution starts with the most marginalized people in our communities. And so this day started like no other. You see, that morning, someone died or something. No, they put her in the grave. Do you know who they put in the grave that morning? Judy Garland. Her funeral was on that morning. So imagine queer people already tired of the raids, and then Judy dies? People already upset. This would be the last time, though, the police came in for a raid. And like usual, white lights would come on so people would get away from one another. They'd spread apart. Cops came in. 
they do their usual thing, throw people around, beat some people, arrest some people. But this night, this night, somebody decided to fight back. And so as soon as they got outside, outside, let me tell you, this bar was mostly gay men. But one witness said that this revolution was started by a lesbian. That as she was being walked outside, the cops pushed her. And she decided to fight back. And once she started fighting back, the crowd started fighting back. And these cops thought they could handle the crowd. But this time, they had to rush back into the stone wall. You see, there's power in Stonewall. Jesus knows what this power is all about. And for the next few nights, queer people began to fight back. The cops had never seen this before because, quote, unquote, the sissies weren't supposed to do this. And yet this night, people were doing it. And thank God they did. Every year now, in June, we celebrate Gay Pride to commemorate the Stonewall Riots. So next time you see a 20-year-old celebrating and just partying, make sure they know what the reason is. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, he challenged his disciples that even though I'm leaving, the Spirit is going to come upon you and you will have power. It's a challenge to us and at this bar that we've been praying for so long, we've been praying for resolution and for change, and we feel like Jesus or God does not hear us. We feel like we might have lost and there's no hope in the world. Yes, Jesus ascended, but we can also ascend. And remember that Spirit is giving us the power to create the change that we want to see. Get to work and immerse ourselves to bring hope to the people around us. Wash away despair. Anyone who's weighed down with the burdens of this world, with disappointments, You lift them up. Stop praying for change to be broken. And Jesus says, unlock them and take them off yourself. Frederick Douglass, an escaped slave and abolitionist, was once asked how prayer helped him get away. And his response was, praying for freedom never did me any good. I prayed for freedom for 20 years and got no answer until I prayed with my legs. This past week, these past few weeks, there have been so many people a part of our community and not part of our community who have been speaking out with their legs, with their mouths, in front of city council. So many people have come out. I will tell you, I expected the hero ordinance to pass. And when this whole thing began, I was sort of shocked by some of the feedback that people were giving. Part of the feedback was, I can't believe they could say all these hurtful things. And at one point, I really didn't understand, I'll be honest with you, because I feel like I've been inoculated to all this. I've just heard it so many times, I just don't listen to it anymore. And they were hurtful things, but for so many people, it brought back bad memories, like a bar might bring back bad memories. And then on the night when it passed, I celebrated and I was happy, but then I went home. I went home and I cried and I cried like I told you in this week's mobilizer. And I didn't know what to do because as a Latino, I try not to cry too much. I felt very weird. I didn't know why I was crying because I was so happy. But I was happy, but then I was also angry. And I was angry, but I was also relieved. And I was relieved, but I was also saddened. Saddened by the state of religious people who would say mean and hateful things. People who would claim the name of Jesus and then cast us aside. People who would claim to be following the Jesus way, 
but then act like the Roman Empire and the New York City Police Department. People who were supposed to be spiritual beings, and yet, and yet, and yet, would cast down their neighbor just to preserve power. I'm amazed. I'm amazed at what our community can do. I was so proud of Resurrection MCC, not because this is our community. I was proud of Resurrection MCC because so many of you stepped out in faith like you never have before. Many of you were scared and you were trembling, you were crying, you didn't know what to do, but somehow the Spirit of God came upon you and you received power. This whole month, we are going to be talking about how the Spirit of God comes upon us. Pride is always a season of Pentecost for us. And so this bar is going to be here for the next four months, or no, not four months. <laughs> help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. This bar is going to be here for the next four weeks. But don't let it frighten you. So many MCCs have been started in bars. So many MCCs. And we're just bringing back our history. And so if this brings back bad memories or bad feelings, let it sit with you. But let's transform it. And let's spread good news. In Jesus' name. Amen.